Hey, if you're far from God this morning, you feel like you're distant from him, I want you to know that God is running to you this morning. You're not here by accident. And I don't know about you, but I, I need to come every week, Sunday after Sunday. Well, it's my job too, but I need to come every Sunday because I need to be reminded of the love of God. Because when I get reminded of the love of God, I want to love him more. Amen? My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here online. Glad you're joining us. Overflow, family room. Glad we're all here together because we get to share in the wonderful words of Jesus today. Jesus' words can change our life. They've changed mine. Have they changed yours? Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever experienced brokenness, a broken relationship in your life? I know I have over the years. I remember I fell in love with this girl when I was 17 years old. She was 15 years old, and she broke my heart five times. <laughs> the broken relationship. Then I convinced her to marry me. I've been married to her, I don't know, 26 years, boys. And we're still in love. <laughs> you know, the thing about our relationship with God, the thing about Christianity is about our relationship with God. It's not about a religion. If on that day, my wife and I, we just said, I do, and we left it at that, what kind of relationship would we have? But honestly, I feel like there's so many of my friends that do that. They say yes to Jesus and just sort of leave him on the altar. They don't cultivate a relationship. Our relationship with God has got to be cultivated. And today, we're gonna, Jesus is going to share a story about a father who had two Sons, and the relationship was broken. And man, if you can't see the heart of God in this story, we are blind. So may the Spirit of the Lord move upon us this morning afresh and, and revive our hearts, and that we would capture the heart of God in Jesus' words in Luke chapter 15. But before we go there, let's pray. Would you bow your head with me? God, you're awesome. Wow. You ran to us, Lord. You're still running, and you're beckoning us, and you're standing at the door, and you, you, you're knocking, and you said, behold, if anyone opens up the door, that you'll come in, you'll, you'll eat with us, you'll dine with us, you'll commune with us. We got this opportunity here to, to have a relationship here on earth with you in heaven that we will one day see face to face. Oh, God, as we go into your word, would you give us spiritual insight? to see beneath the surface of this parable, the story, that we may see the deeper spiritual truth that you're wanting us to know. God, open up our eyes. Open up our hearts. Give us fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus, the master storyteller here, begins by talking about sheep. He says, hey, suppose you had 100 sheep and you lost one. When you go after the one 
And when you found it, wouldn't you rejoice? And then he goes on to talk about a coin. Now, I know, I mean, I could have my pocket full of coins, but back then, back in the day, you had 10 coins and you lost one. That's a lot of money. It's very valuable, right? It talks about how we would search the, every crevice of the home, every corner of the house until we found it. And then when we found it, we would rejoice. We'd tell our friends, our family, and we would all rejoice together, wouldn't we? And Jesus here, as he's sharing this, he's sharing to a crowd just like we are. He's sharing to a crowd of sinners and religious people. Oh, the religious people in the crowd, they were a little upset. Because this man, Jesus, he's saying things they've never heard of. And he's eating with tax collectors. He's dining with sinners. They're having a problem with this. So you can imagine them in the crowd going, hmm, with their haughty looks. And Jesus goes on to share in verse 11 of chapter 15, there's a man who had two sons. He had an older, he had two sons, one older and one younger. Do we have any older sons in here this morning? Raise your hand if you're an older son. Yeah, yeah. I have my older son in here this morning. Stand up, Riker. Let me embarrass you. Yeah, he's 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 home from school on vacation. Okay, sit down. Anyway, we know, and I'm an older son too, and we know older sons can be a little bossy. They can be a little bit perfectionist. My boy makes straight A's, praise God. But it's never enough. Somebody got a higher grade. All of us older sons deal with perfectionism, and we can also be a little bit bossy at times. Now, how many younger sons do we have in here? Raise your hand if you're a younger son. I just happen to have my youngest son with us, too. Silas, stand up. All right, now, younger sons, they have a way. They have a way of melting their parents' heart like nothing else. They have a way of manipulating us. <laughs> a way of getting their way when they want it and how they want it. But we love them. How many middle children do we have in here? Raise your hand. Middle child? Yeah, well, you're not in the story. <laughs> so you must be perfect. Hey, when you, when you grew up, what was your thoughts about your father? So much of how we, how we had that relationship with our father goes into our relationship with God. Some of us have some obstacles. Some of us had a hard time with our, our fathers. And so when we start following Jesus and start following the father, it, it, we have to get over some of those things. Sometimes it takes years, you know, because the father that's represented in this story is like, he's like no other father. There's nobody wiser than this father. There's nobody more humble than this father. This father is gentle yet strong. He's compassionate and consistent. And man, if there's one thing in parenting that is the number one thing is consistency, right? I mean, I'm, my kids are going, hmm. Because, you know, child raising, I've been up and down, up and down, up and down. But this father in this story was consistently consistent. 
He who is the best, the best, is the best father. Perfect in all his ways. And I've already given you the spoiler alert. We're talking about the father in here represents the father God. The father God. And one thing we need to know about this father is he loves his boys. And boy, do I love my boys. This father is crazy about his kids. The Father God is crazy about his creation, and guess what? You are the created one. He's the creator, you're the created one. So that means he's crazy about you also. And in verse 12, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus waxes on here and telling this story. He says, the younger brother, he said to his father, this great and mighty, awesome, perfect father, Father Give me the share of property that's coming to me. Give it to me now. It's really important to know that to say something like that back then in that culture in that day was as if you're saying, Father, I don't even care if you're alive anymore. I want what's coming to me now. Because in that day, the younger brother's responsibility was to take care of the family. But he's not like that. The younger brother is thinking of himself. It's all about me. And he wants his share of his inheritance now. And as a result, he's bringing dishonor on his family, on his father. He's bringing shame into the picture And most fathers would just, wouldn't even have had anything to do with it. They would have been angry and just refused. What are you talking about? You want me dead now? Get out of my life. Go. I don't, go. Actually, I don't know if we would respond like that, but I do know this. This father didn't. He gave his son. Out of mercy, he gave his son his inheritance. And another thing, it would not have been easy to do back then because you didn't just go around with a big wad of cash in your pocket. You couldn't just go down to you know, Emirates NBD Bank and, and withdraw from the ATM money. No, it would have been caught up. It would have been, his share of property would have been wrapped up in livestock and in land. So get this in your mind. It's like, what is he asking him to do? Is so dishonorable, so shameful that his father, this perfect father, has to go probably into the city and announce, guys, hey, my land's for sale, my cattle's for sale, my livestock, anybody want to buy, it's going for a good price because my son needs his money and he needs it now. Can you imagine the out? The people would have been like, what? Your youngest son? Oh. I pity you and what you're going through. Why would he do that to you? And there would be anger towards that son. Because he's a, that's, that's just not the way we do things around here. But he quietly gives his son what he wants. And you can hear the rumor mill just going, I can't, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you know about him? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad my boys aren't like that. Shame, 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 shame. 
in verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far-off country. That's like us, right? We all left our homes to a far-off country, the land of plenty, the land of Lamborghinis and bikinis. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what he did. There he squandered it. He wasted it. He wasted his inheritance on reckless living. So have some of us have. Right? Trying to keep up with the Dubai, Dubai bling. Yeah? And we start borrowing from friends, borrowing from family, borrowing from the, bike, from, from the bank to keep up with people. And we buy stuff that we don't need. We've all been there, done that, Right? But I want you to know in this parable, it's not so much about traveling to a far-off country. It's about breaking a relationship. And not just any old relationship, because, you know, we can have broken relationships with friends and with family, and, you know, you know even marriages have been broken. But, but there's one relationship we don't want to get wrong, and it's our relationship with the Father. And this father, we see this unfolding of his two sons, his broken relationship, and, 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 and that's what this is about. And we need to we'll sort of settle in there and maybe, maybe, maybe even see ourselves as one of these sons so that we see how beautiful the heart of God is. So the more I read this parable, the more I see the pain, the brokenness of a relationship between the dad and his boys. And we go on in verse 14, when he had spent everything, like that's bad enough, right? But what happens next? A severe famine hits the country, and he begins to be in need. The economy wasn't what it's supposed to. Somebody's saying amen? Uh Uh-huh. I know there's so many of my friends here come for the job, Involved in real estate, involved in this, da-da-da-da, only to find out that it's not as easy. They fall on hard times. Well, that's what's happened here. The economy, and you know what? They didn't have CNN or Al Jazeera or any of the... When this happened, the economy there back then, he probably thought the whole world was suffering. But he settled. He settled for a job and found himself eating with the pigs, actually begging to eat like the pigs. And for this young brother, there was nothing worse for his culture. This was a young Jewish man. They're not even supposed to be hanging out with pigs. It's not not halal. It's not kosher, right? And I can see even the guy sort of, you know, that gave him the job, you know, because it's maybe in a bigger city, and it's like, oh, that's a Jewish boy. Okay, if he's wanting to work so bad, I'll give him a job. I'll have him work with the pigs. Man, sometimes when we go down the path of sin, man, it's just, it's like every demon from hell comes out of the closet, wants to grind our face in the shame, doesn't it? Him working with the pigs carry diseases. They looked at it like this is hypocritical. And he must have thought it. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, every time, like I do, like names mean so much. 
I do name ceremonies for my African friends in here, right? Names mean so much. They're, they're connected to an identity. And even a lot of our countries, our name is connected to our religion. So you can imagine, even when somebody would say, hey, what's your name? And he would say his name. Right then, right there, he would think, oh, man. He knows who I am. He knows what kind of background. He knows I wasn't raised to be like this. And it would remind him of how he broke this relationship, how distant, how far off he is from the father, how his father loved him and trained him and brought him upright, but now he's not having anything to do with this because I'm young and I'm strong and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to the city and I'm going to make a name for myself. No, that's not what's happening. Shame is what's happening. He lost all regard as a good family member embarrassed probably, you know, just in the name of finding freedom and pleasure and success, and now he's just wanting to survive, just wanting to survive. I think most of us, one time or another, can relate to that, can't we? It's like the Proverbs that says, chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way, say there is a way, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Or what about Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and and 8? It says, do not be deceived, fellowship friends. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit Will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life, eternal life. And man, if you're in this story like I am right now, you can see the wheels starting to turn. This guy, what's he going to do? How's he going to get out of this mess? He gets an idea. Verse 17, he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. Hired servant. A hired servant is one that comes and goes. A house servant is different. A house servant at least stays in the home and eats with the family. But a hired servant is treated better than what he's going through right now. Shameful, dishonoring. That's what sin gets us. Oh, it's fun for a season until it grabs a hold of our life and ruins it. So you can see him starting to want to go back and, and earn, earn his relationship with his father. And that's a lot of times what we do too. My goodness, sir, I see my life so much in this parable because, man, when I've done something stupid and I want to get back to God, instead of just falling on his mercy, I think, okay, how do I work for God so that, you know, that I can receive his love again, you know? And that's not the gospel. The gospel is all about Grace and mercy freely given. Don't think for a second that we can earn the love of God. We can't. It's like, okay, I'll pray more. I'll do more. I'll give more. I'll whatever. Fill in the blanks of what that is. But it's like a treadmill. (laughs) They get you nowhere. Unless you realize, oh, wait a second. I'm really not that strong. 
I really can't run as hard after God as he can run after me. And we fall. We try to run. And if you can't run, you walk. You can't walk, you can lean. The scripture says, lean not on your own understanding. If you can't, you can't do it, just lean. Lean into God when you find yourself distant from him. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will what? He'll direct you. This is our God. We fall in these traps, though, don't we? Trying to earn our relationship back. But the Father is rich in love and mercy and grace, and his love cannot be earned. It's freely given even to our own, even to our own rebellious hearts. So we see him start rehearsing this speech in verse 18. He said, oh, I will rise, and I'll go to my father. I'll go back to the village, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. Again, not a house servant, hired servants. So he makes his way back home. You can imagine his head hanging low, dejected, his posture. He's broken, covered in shame, empty-handed. He's not bringing anything back home. Now listen, we all get that in this culture, okay? If you go over to somebody's house and eat something, you're bringing something, aren't you? You're cooking something. You're bringing some chocolates or something, And I've been at the airport, and I've seen people going back home just to visit. And they may have seven luggages. You know, they wrap them and wrap them and wrap them. And they have one little bag for themselves. Because it's part of many of your cultures, too. You don't go home empty-handed. You want to bring something. You want to bring money, or you want to bring something. So you can relate. Oh, my gosh. And think about not... I mean, on a little, just a little part, when I go over to somebody's house and they're fixing me a delicious meal and I've forgotten to bring something, the little bit of shame that I feel. But this, hey, this is big. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Because when you go home, people are expecting things from you, right? So he's going home. Humiliated, nothing to give, no money, no gift, feeling the shame. You know, it's really, you know, guilt and shame are different. Guilt says, I made a mistake, so I must confess it. I got to get it off my chest. Guilt says, guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame is different. Shame says, I am a mistake, so I need to hide it so no one finds out about it. So what his, what his walk back home, what it looked like, I imagine him feeling a little bit of both, both guilt and shame, but also fear. Because through my study, this guy, and you want to read more up on the prodigal son, a New Testament scholar named Kenneth Bailey wrote a lot about this because he spent his time in ministry in the Middle East and digging into this Jewish culture in the day and, and, and fear is what would have been permeating this young brother's heart as well. Fear, because this is what happened. He's brought shame on his daddy. He's brought shame on his village. And so when he would come back to town, 
there was a ceremony that was known as kazaza. Say kazaza. Kazaza. And kazaza, what would happen is, is it would take place probably in the middle of the city. And the, sit, the, the villagers would have come in full throng, a mob waiting for this younger brother to come. And what they would do is they would take a clay pot and they would smash it. And by them smashing it, they're saying, you get out of here. You don't belong here. You brought shame on your daddy. You brought shame on us. You get out of here. It was intense. And if he didn't get out at that time, boy, you're getting your butt whooping. You're getting a beating. Maybe worse, you might be killed. Now, those of us here, we know stuff like this still happens in the world today with honor killings and these things that we read about or have experienced in our own countries. Kazaza was big. So he had had guilt and he had had shame and he would had fear because he left his father broke their relationship. They took the commandments serious. Serious. You know Moses, Mosaic law, you know, don't have any gods before me, right? The second one, don't bow to idols, right? Third one, don't take the Lord's name in vain, meaning don't ever say the word of God without attributing reverence and power to it. Fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath. The fifth, honor your mother honor your father. And they took that really serious. Actually, the word of God still takes it serious. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. The law is still holy. But they live by the law. We're under grace, praise God. So we are younger brothers when we have an attitude of, give me, I want it now. That's verse 12. We're younger brothers when, when we say, you know what? I want to party at all cost to my soul and all cost to my family and all cost to my reputation. That's verse 13. We're younger brothers when we're proud and rely on our own strength. It's my dream. I could care less about anybody around me. It's my dream I want to fulfill. Verse 15, we're younger brothers when I'll get out of my mess myself. Picture this. This is where the, I just, this is the beautiful part. Picture the father. He's waiting at the gate, looking, longing. I don't know how many times a day he did that. Some of you also relate to that because you're still waiting for a broken relationship in your family. Maybe a son or a daughter that's gone astray, gone, gone away from God. You're still waiting. You dream about the day that they come home. This father's truly the hero of this story. He's determined to be waiting, looking, waiting, looking. Why? You know Why? Because he wants to run to his son. And he wants to save his son from that mob. He wants to save his son, his son from the ceremony of Kazaza. He wants 
by him. He wants to take on humiliation to cover the shame and restore honor to his son. He wants to protect his boy before they get to him. Protect him from the penalty that actually is due to him. Verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran. I don't know. that. I just love that. I mean, we sang about it. I just love that, that, that just that idea that, you know, and again, it's not really cultural. The, the patriarch would wear a nice robe. He wouldn't be, you know, pulling his robe up, running across town with his pasty white leg. Now, uh, his legs wouldn't have been pasty, mine are pasty white, but he ran. He ran, and he embraced him. And the King James Version here says he fell on his neck and he kissed him. He ran to me. We sang it. We sang He ran to me. He took me in his arms. He held my head to his chest and said, son, my son's come home again. And he lifted my face and he wiped the tears from my eyes. And with forgiveness in his voice, he said, son, do you know I still love you? Some of you need to hear that today. Don't just hear it with your mind. Hear it with your heart. Son, daughter, I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know you're distant from me. You're part of the family. You believed. You said a prayer. You were baptized, all that. But you're distant from me. I want you to know right now. I still love you. I still love you. I love you. He ran. He ran. Father ran and tackled his lost boy, fell on his neck, kissed him. You know, his nice clean robe with his pig smelling, wasted his inheritance son. They embrace. Oh, I can imagine the sinner's and the broken people in the crowd. Could this be true? Is God really like that? Is he really a God that would run after me, would restore me? Would he really do that? Is he like that? Surely he's not because God can't love me because I've done this, done that, done this. The scripture's full of people that have done wrong, heinous things more than you. But by the blood of Jesus, we can all approach the throne in grace. And then I can also picture the religious people going, hmm, I don't think God runs. He may walk, but God has all authority, which he does. But this, Jesus, your words, they're too emotional. God's not into emotions. That embrace part. God doesn't really want to embrace us. It's all here, not here. Oh, be careful. God wants to embrace all of us. And emotions he has given us to give our emotions back to him. Love 
is a commitment, yes. But my gosh, if I was just committed to my wife by the law, the letter of the law, and there were no feelings, what fun is that? God loves you. He really does. I can imagine that crowd just having various feelings going on. God runs to the brokenhearted. And that embrace is where repentance happens. Relationship being restored. For the rebellious sinner has come home. But the son says, but, 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 but father, verse 21, he said, but father, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, he says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put the ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, not the goat, not the chickens. I want the best. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead. My son was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost and now he's been found. And boy, they began to celebrate. The best robe was a sign of position. It was... It was a sign of position. It was, it was a demonstration of complete approval of his love, his mercy, his compassion, and his protection. Don't you dare touch my boys. If you touch my boys, you're dealing with me. And then the ring. The ring conveyed authority. Back in the day, presenting a ring with some, to someone was a sign of, of great affection. It was also a symbol of being placed in the office of authority. What I have, my name is your name. What I have is yours. Authority I have is yours. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given. Shoes and sandals marked him out as a free man because only slaves went barefoot. This young man was the son of a loving father, a loving God. Come home, rebellious sinners. It's always been the message. Turn from your life. Turn to me. I love you. You see, we've all been, we've all been rebellious. We've all been one of these sons. Lost sheep found. Lost coin found. Lost son found. Rejoice. But there's also another son, and we forget, this, we forget this son a lot. Luke 25, 15, 25. Now his older son was in a field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked, what, 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 are, what, these things, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother, he's come home, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But... The older brother was angry, and he refused to go in. But his father came out and entreated and earnestly begged him, come, come, ask him, come in. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed you. Yeah, right. Yet you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate and party with my friends. But when this son of yours came and devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf? And he said to him, son, 
You're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate. Celebrate with me. Be glad for this brother of yours that was dead is alive. He was lost and and now he's been found. Celebrate with me. But the older brother, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't see the work of God going on. So it is with us sometimes. You know, the younger brother, he ran off to far country, publicly shamed himself. His private sin was public. The older son ran privately in his heart. His heart, even though proximity, he was with the father, his heart was growing cold, grew cold, ran. Didn't understand the affection of God. No one could see it. See, the older brother, we, we often, we don't talk about it, but we're, we're, all, we, we, we're the older brother when we look down on other people, think other people are not worthy. But I am, give it to me, give it to me. I deserve it. Verse 26, when we're the older brother when we're critical and we have this self-righteous grumbling attitude and we actually care more about what God can give us than God himself. Even watch how we pray sometimes. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Now we're, in the scripture, Jesus teaches us, give us this day our daily bread. So it's fine to ask. But what is the focus? Is the center of the focus of your prayer or your walk with God you? Help us. It's gotta be God. We're older brother when we're angry at grace that's shown to others. And I remember feeling this when I was freshly born again. The church, the people that were my age, they're like, hmm, I don't really believe that. I believe he's getting all religious because he loves this girl that's religious. Mm, I don't think he's a real deal. And I felt that. I felt, I felt the, them looking down on me, not accepting me. We're older brother when we do that. When we're like, we're the older brother, when we're like, I've done everything right. I've kept all the commandments. I'm perfect. I'm holy. What about me? What about me? Oh, yeah, the older brother, he stayed physically with his father, but his heart ran away a long time ago. But my heart goes out to both of these guys. I'm not, I'm not picking on them as much as I'm picking on me. I've been both. I've been back and forth. I've been the younger son. I've been the older son. I've been the older son. I've been, I've been the younger son. And so I hope that you can also see yourself in this. And you learn what it means to say, what, what it means when he says, hey, Tim, everything I have is yours. Hey, friend, everything I have, God says, is yours. Love me. Don't just love the things I can give you. Learn what it means to return, even though you may feel like you've never left. Return to his heart. Let your heart run back to him. John Ortberg writes, this is a great quote, one of the hardest things in the world is to stop being the young, rebellious brother without turning into the older self-righteous religious brother. 
Both sons break relationship. One failed to fulfill the expectations of his family, his culture, and one failed in the midst of fulfilling all of those. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you whitewash sepulchers, you whitewash tombs, you worry about the outside, but the inside is dead man's bones. God has always been interested in getting a hold of our heart. We want to do something for God? Guess what? Let him get a hold of your heart. You want to reach the world? You want to be successful? Reaching the world? You can only reach the world when you've let him reach you. You can only truly be successful. Success is this, obedience to God. No matter how much money you make, no matter how big your status is, success is obey God. And who gives us the power to do that but the Holy Spirit? As we walk, run, lean into him. How do you see your heavenly father today? Are you carrying fear? Are you carrying guilt? Are you carrying shame? Today, 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 you may be born again. You may not be. But today, God wants, wants you to be more than just a family member. He wants to know you and be known by you. And I don't know what that really looks like, if it's him getting, me getting more of him or him getting more of me, but that's the dance. That's where that hug, that embrace happened. Repentance happened. Oh, God, I can't stand that I did this. Lord, I turn to you. I need you more than anything else. I need you more than anything else. Guilt says I made a mistake, so I must confess it. Shame says I am a mistake, so I must hide it. I'm here to tell you this morning, not to tell you, but to remind you, you are not a mistake. There's no mistakes in here. And for you to even think that you're a mistake is to say that God created a mistake. And he creates, he he doesn't create mistakes. I want to end this message today with this painting that I came across years ago uh, from a book that I read by Henry Nowen called Return to the Prodigal Son. Beautiful book, if you ever have time to read it. But it's Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son. And, and just meditate on this. Just look at this. Carry this picture. Capture it. Take it into your day. Because what you see here, you see, you see the son embracing God, the father, in his brokenness. You see the father, you see the older son, and you see that, you, you, you can see that sort of that self-righteous posture, that displeasure, what's going on. But you see the father and the light more on him than anything. You see him, the joy that he has, the embrace that he has. And if you look close enough in his hands, his hands, His hands, they're different. There's one hand that looks like a man's hand that's strong. And then there's another hand that almost looks like a mother's hand. This represents our God, strong but gentle. He's gentle with you today, but he is wooing each and every one of us.
to not just be okay with coming to church week after week, going through the motions, calling ourselves Christians, being in the family. You know, I believe, you know, hey, listen, we're justified by faith alone. I get that. But God wants the sanctification part to happen in our life. That means to be set apart. That's why we read his word so we can not know just about him, but know him. That's why we pray, because if you're going to grow in a relationship, you need to talk to one another. There's so much talking that goes on through these phones and through the media and just through the chaos of life. God wants a relationship with all of us. So he ran. He ran out of heaven to earth and showed us the way, and the way was Jesus. And Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And on his outstretched arms on the cross, he said, it's finished. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This has always been the love of God to say, come, come, come. Come close to my heart until you hear it beat, until you know my feelings, until you see the things that I see the way I see them. Come close to me, child. If you're wayward here today, maybe you're lost. Maybe you're in that far-off country. Maybe you're living a life, uh, a hellacious life. Jesus says, come home today. Come home. Come home. Come home online. Come home on the overflow. and and the Come home. Or maybe you're just like, you know what? Been there, done that. And now I feel like I just graduated from God. I'm actually, I'm actually just happy with yesterday's manna. I gave my life to God a long time ago and I left it there. And I'm not growing. I can't hear God's heart anymore. Let today, the beginning of 2024, be new, be fresh for you. He ran to you and is saying, hey, run to me. All you who are weary, heavy laden, full of shame, full of guilt, full of fear. Because my arms are big enough. My heart is big enough for each one of you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, your words are so beautiful. And the story, lost sheep, lost coin, lost sons. And Lord, we are lost, deaf, and dumb, and blind without you moving on our heart. But this story today, Lord, I pray, I know it did me, recaptures the beauty of your heart, your love, your embrace, And I want more of it, and I want more of it for my friends here in this room, the other rooms, and online. I want more of it, God, because I know truly that's what life is about. That is our purpose, to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. So, Lord, even now, as we get ready to sing this last closing song, Lord, we just as you ran and you're looking and waiting, you ran to us, Lord, we We want to sing. We want to run to you by faith and make 2024 closer than it's ever have been in our life.
stir it up within us, Lord, to your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.